Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are now tuned in to the Jags Den Podcast, the official podcast of the Jaguars Wire, brought to you by USA Today Sports Media Group, and also the number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Jags Den Podcast. We are the number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves, as James mentions in our intro there. I'm your host, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino, and the gang is back together, guys. Jacob DeLawrence, James Johnson. Gentlemen, how are y'all doing? Good to be back. Who are you again? I'm, that's a loaded question. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I almost terminated your contract, Phil. It's, it's been so long, but, you know. I, I was like, why not? <laughs> why not let him? Let, why not bring him back? Why not? Me and Jacob were having too much fun without you, so. Yeah, maybe some order will be restored today. I doubt it, but still. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nonetheless, uh, I'm I'm good. Can't complain, man. Been studying tons of Senior Bowl stuff that we're going to cover, of course. Uh, we'll do that later down the road on this podcast. And uh, that's pretty much it, man. Glad to have you back. Yeah, man. Um, doing good. Welcome back. Um, glad you got out of that homeless shelter or wherever you were because... <laughs> Honestly, we like putting Phil on a milk carton, and then we remembered nobody drinks milk out of a carton anymore. <laughs> yeah, and then <laughs> we were wondering where did you guys get those cartons? Yeah, and, and who did you give all that money to in order to put my name on those cartons? Yeah, so, it's good to yeah. questions. <laughs> Although, real quick, before we get started, Jay, I got a question. Uh, last up? podcast, I said I was yelled into your Fournette Ryan shotgun. What is Phil then? <laughs> Phil is Corey Grant, I guess. <laughs> oh, I'm okay with that. Oh wow! So you're just out with an injury, like you just messed your whole foot right, up, so. right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but <laughs> when 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 available, <laughs> don't lie. We've seen your 40 attempt, so don't even. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is getting off to uh, start. <laughs> Let me back podcast. Get me back here. So make sure you guys follow us at the Jaguars Wire for all the up to date Jacksonville Jaguars news. Of course, follow me at Phil the Filipino F I L I P I N O, James at Sports Grind underscore Don, and Jacob at underscore J Della. Make sure you, of course, you are following the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and also we have just been recently added to Deezer and Radio Public. And also, USA Today has us on their audio boom network. So, guys, it is the off season. It is the it is Super Bowl week. Not a lot going on for Jaguar fans, obviously. So, we're right back to our old ways, and we're excited about the draft. So, we're going to talk about a couple of things. Uh, of course, the Senior Bowl was this past week, and you know we're looking ahead. We'll win, of course, as we always do when we start off the show. Start off with some quick hits, and the uh, Pro Bowl was last week down in Orlando. It had a uh, the, the weather was probably matched by the amount of excitement the three of us probably had for the Pro Bowl. It was a rainy, 
and uh, oh, that happened today, and you know, um, apparently there was apparently uh, AFC won twenty six to seven. I didn't watch. I don't know. That's what they said. Apparently, nine right, million right. people watched. Um, I don't know any one of them. So if you know them, <laughs> tell them that there's other stuff on to they can watch something else. Uh, they don't have to watch the game, but you on know, on top of that, it looked a little thin in the stadium. I mean, granted, the weather was bad, but I'm just saying, I don't think a lot of people watched it in person either. If we're being honest, <laughs> yeah, like, it, it looked like took it some numbers. It looked like Sea World, guys, barren, and no one was there anymore. Uh, no Jesus. one was there. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. So, uh, but yeah, not a lot. But however, uh, Calais Campbell did have a sack, and Jalen Ramsey caught a touchdown pass from Deshaun Watson, which you know Deshaun Watson's going to throw a lot of touchdowns to Jalen Ramsey, so it's good for him to. Get used to that, and so it was nice. That was nice to see. Did you guys? Uh, did you guys catch the Pro Bowl? No. Well, I caught bits and pieces right, of moving it. Moving on, <laughs> but um, but not enough to discuss. <laughs> like that's still a thing. Like why is the Pro Bowl still a thing? How is that the one All Star game nobody cares about? You know, somebody mentioned on Twitter, this is actually kind of a good idea, in my opinion. Instead of doing a Pro Bowl every year, instead the NFL should do like a bowl or not necessarily a bowl, but an exhibition game between the two teams that had like the worst records. I don't know who put this out there, but it was kind of interesting. They should just play Emma, whoever plays. <laughs> <laughs> to, yeah, to, to solve that question, because people out there think Alabama could be the NFL team. I I. I Highly doubt that, but hey, that would be interesting yearly. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. They keep they keep trying, I guess. But um, you know what? I, I did hear it was you know kind of fun because there were like you know defensive players playing offense and and vice versa and all that. But it was the lowest uh, I think lowest amount of points a team has scored since like the nineties or something like that. But um, you know, it probably had a lot to do uh with the weather but yeah you just you know you just go through go into that thing and you just hope no one gets hurt juju smith schuster had a little bit of a scare but luckily he's okay so um but yeah pro bowl afc wins 26 to 7 so you know that's that's that uh, but yeah i'm moving on there um austin Severian jenkins has <laughs> tweeted uh, <laughs> i'm just gonna move on we're not gonna talk about the pro bowl anymore guys we're just gonna, we're gonna <laughs> ever uh, again <laughs> <laughs> earlier, earlier in the week, um, Austin Sperian Jenkins tweeted out a, um, a essentially what seemed like a, a goodbye to uh, to the Jaguars, but the team has has not yet made a decision on his uh, on his option. Um, I don't know if you guys had seen any uh, any of this or heard anything about that, heard anything about ASJ. But uh, do you think his time here is done, or do you think they really haven't made a decision yet? Uh, didn't we say that was a waste of about ten million? Like. About ten million times this season. Well, really, I think it's like four million for because it's an option deal. So yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. But still, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that was his cap hit for last year. I can't remember, but go ahead, Jacob. I digress. <laughs> and I mean, you, it was a mistake they made to begin with. It cost you arguably the best tight end in franchise history because he was like, "Yeah, I'm not staying here for this." So better late than never. At least you didn't uh, re up his contract, and well, at least yet anyway, because God knows this front office may actually decide. Hey, you know what? I'm second thought. Just come on back for that last year. Well, I think the whole thing with this tenure was just he just wasn't ever healthy, wasn't it? I mean, he never really got a chance, did he? 
Right. That's and that's what we discussed not. prior. Yeah. Like when, when we first signed him, remember we had the podcast about his health and how many games he missed. I forgot how much it was, but that was that was the thing that we had we questioned going into the season was whether he could stay healthy and of course he didn't. And I, I think like what was telling of them, well, they haven't officially cut him yet or let him go or signed the option, however you want to put it. But I think what was really telling of what their plans are is the fact that they didn't bring him off of IR. I, and I know like he was only eligible for the last week or whatever when they played the Texans that he became eligible to be brought back off of IR. But still, like if they had, you know, long-term plans for him you would think they wanted to you know see him at least just for that one game to kind of give them something you know uh, a step to go into next year with or next season with if they were going to bring him back so I I think that kind of showed their hand if you will the fact that they kept him on IR week 17 against the Texans but Again, like I guess you could say that the official decision hasn't been made yet, but it it does certainly look like because you would think somebody from the front office called his manager and said, you know, hey, we're going to move on for him to tweet something like that. It does look like they're going to be moving on. Either that or he decided that, hey, let me force myself out of here because this just isn't working for me for you. Right. I mean, and if that's the case, you just let him go still. If he doesn't want to be here, don't force him to be here by by hand or, or whatever. But and then, like, uh, I talked about this on the Cover 3 podcast, too. Shout outs to the guys over there. But another thing about it is for Tad to come out to uh, refute that report, it kind of just, like, made the front office look bad. And at the same time, like, it made it, as, as Jacob said, it kind of made it, like, Austin Safarian Jenkins might be putting false information out there. But regardless of the situation, the fact that Tad addressed it kind of just made the front office look bad all around, in my opinion. But I guess we'll see what truly happens in the end. Yeah, the timing of it's definitely interesting. I mean, I mean, coming back to the football side of things, and he was one of those guys that seemed like Blake was was meshing with early on. And, and you know, as we mentioned, never really, never really got the chance due to injury. So we'll We'll see what what happens there. Um, coming up next year, we, we so, we're showing that the Jags have brought back restricted free agent Gerard Wilson on a three year deal, uh, worth nine million dollars, guaranteeing about one point five million of those dollars. Um, do you guys think that that means that he is Deshaun Gibson's potential successor? Mm, I don't know about successor. I'd say, well, yeah, actually, he may be. Um, you know how you think about it at first you're like "Mm, nah I don't know about that you stop me like you got a point Mm -hmm. but I mean he is the definition of scrappy and just never giving up because to go from an undrafted free agent to practice squad to reserve special teams to now securing yourself 2 million guaranteed and you have a 3 year deal worth 9 mil not a bad payday Mm-hmm. And, they, and he can get more based like, off playtime too. So, yeah, somebody likes you enough to pay you and see something in you. So, do I think he's Gibbs replacement? No. Would I be surprised if he becomes Gibbs replacement? Not at all. Right, and and something interesting you said there, uh, Jacob, that hit the nail on the head was you know somebody thinks highly of him enough to pay him this kind of money. 
And the first thing when you said that, the first thing that came to mind is that that Doug Marone, at least on the surface, it appears really likes um, my man um, Wilson. And I say that because last was it training camp, the last training camp. But he was one of the guys that praised Wilson and his efforts on the field as a reserve or, you know, I think he had to come in for a little bit of time during training camp too as a um to as a starter because Gibson was hurt or something to that effect. But anyway, you know, Doug Marone just kinda praised him and, and gloated about him and this, that and the other. So I guess this is kinda telling of, you know, how they feel about him, at least Marone, who uh you know, Marone isn't a guy that he doesn't necessarily pinpoint somebody when he gives Alpha a, a praise or a comment. You know, he just he's a guy that he, he just He'll praise the team in general, if you will, or if if he's asked about a specific player, he'll go into detail, but he'll never like really just on his own point out a person. So that's a good sign for him. So in terms of if he's the guy going forward, I think basically what this is, is, hey, if we decide to move on from Gibson and we have to cut Gibson uh, due to cap issues, as we all know, our cap situation, we're like three million over the cap right now as of today but if the Jags come to a point where you know they need to sign somebody and they have to cut Gibson like you know with with Nick Foles or somebody and it just gets to that point they can do it I think and I think Wilson is the backup plan if it comes to that so it's kind of like an optional thing like hey if we can keep Gibson I think they'll keep him I think they should keep Gibson uh but if worse comes to worse and I don't want to get Foles personally, but even though I have said I like Foles on this podcast, but if worse comes to worse, <laughs> like if we got to cut him to get Foles or bring Foles in, then, you know, we got Wilson to fall back on who we just signed for three years. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, can we run back this tape from a couple episodes ago yeah. where you said you were a fan of Nick Foles coming to Jacksonville? Yeah. I said I'm a fan of Nick Foles, though, but not not at the price of $20 million a year, man. Like, it, I don't know, and that cap, like I said, I just said that cap situation is rough. It's not Keep like I mean, it's, it's, it back. <laughs> I mean, I think like they'll be in a positive when they officially cut Austin Severian Jenkins, but still, like, just think about like all the the players you have to get rid of to make up for what Foles is gonna want. You know, is it really worth it? You're gonna have to give up a lot of defensive pieces when you look at it, and I don't know if he's worth that personally. Well, hey, you know, as, as a good kind of transition there as far as the cap, you know, depending on who they want to bring in. And, you know, we'll have all, you know, all summer to talk about that or the spring and the summer, I should say. Um, Calais Campbell has revealed earlier in the week that he and the Jags are working on a way to restructure his deal. That um, He revealed this over at the Pro Bowl um, to maybe free up some cap space um, for uh, for the team. And, you know, just <laughs> Calais has just been – you know that that guy really since since coming here. You know, just oh, yeah. whenever oh, yeah. when he when he chose to come here over Denver, you know that really was one of the biggest parts of the turnaround here. Yes, of course, the season didn't go the way we wanted it to, but he's just been such a great presence in the locker room and also in the community. You know, if you guys here locally in Jacksonville have had, a, have had an opportunity to interact with him, he's just a, a great guy and really really cool to see him doing this. So, what do you guys see? Um, what do you guys think of you know Clay is just working with the team to make sure that we have the best chance to win. Cause I think he's still very aware that the window is open and it's not as open as it used as it was, but I think he's still aware that there is a, there's an opportunity to have something special here. Clay is out here pulling a Brady. 
<laughs> I'm going to sign a big deal and restructure it every single year. And I'm not mad at it one bit. Because like you said, Phil, he understands that, hey, the window is open. It's a little, it's a little bit closer to being closed now, but it's still an open window. It went from you having about maybe a five-year window as a team to maybe about three, four if you're lucky. And Calais is 32. And again, I would like to apologize, Mr. Campbell, for saying that defensive linemen fall off once they hit 30. And you are the exception to the rule, sir. I'm very sorry. You are a great lineman and a great man. Please do not take my words the wrong way. I want no smoke whatsoever. That right. Being... And... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You good. That being said, it's a smart move just from a financial standpoint. You understand you're 32. You've gotten paid. You got a bunch of young pups who make your job easier that need to get paid. So let me just go ahead and put something back in the pot so we can pay everybody else and hopefully we can go get this championship that eluded us last year, well, two seasons ago. Right. Right. And the thing about like what y'all were saying, just to go off of what y'all were saying about the window closing, the window closes so much faster if he leaves. That and that's that's a key thing about this is the Jacksonville Jaguars almost have to keep him because if if Calais Campbell leaves this uh, uh, this defense is no longer the you know the scary defense that we know it as yeah sure they got Yannick um, they have Taven who flashed in the interior but Calais Campbell make no mistake about it even though he's thirty two years of age and, and Yannick is what twenty four or twenty three or something make no mistake about it Calais Campbell is probably the best defensive lineman on this team because he's a guy that not only he doesn't play just defensive end he just doesn't play the five technique he moves in and, and plays the three technique and um, even dating back I think he even played some nose tackle with with the Arizona Cardinals so he's so versatile and on top of that he's their best run defender I forget the exact number that he had or the grade that he put up on PFF against the run but if you lose him you also lose your best run defender and I, although you can make the the argument that Darius is a pretty good one too but the Jaguars would simply put they the pass rush wouldn't be there that they've had and the the presence against the run although you know they have struggled against the run but they would really decline against the run without Calais so this is a great move on all parties the Jaguars and Calais and, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, this pays off for him in the long run and he helps us to get to the Super Bowl that we're, we've been hoping for for a while now. Yeah, I'll just add another bit to it real quick. You lose Calais, you lose your leader on the defensive side and a mentor for all of those young yep. bulls that you have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of like, a, hey, come sit down at the table real quick. Help me, help you, help me, help you, help mm-hmm. me. Not only that, when you now that you mentioned leadership, that's something I actually wrote about that today with the Fournette situation and what Maurice Jones Drew said about this this locker room lacking leadership. The locker room does lack leadership, and and Calais is one of the few leaders that they have. So yeah, you make a good point. They they lose him. Who who? It's there is no telling how chaotic this the the locker room would be without <laughs> him. Man, it would just be Jalen Ramsey just. Going off on Boy, and everybody. It would be though. <laughs> no offense, Jalen, but all I'm saying is, yeah, they they really do need him. Not only as a player, not only as a person off the field to the community, but they need him on the, in that locker room as well. And I'm glad he's coming back. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, was there in, in terms of 
locker room turmoil. I don't think there was anything on par that was going on on the defensive side compared to, to what was happening on the offensive side with Fournette, right? I mean, I feel like most of the most of the most of everything that was going on was on the offensive side. Am I, am I maybe I'm misremembering something? I don't know. Well, maybe you there, there was the fight, of course, if we all remember with Dante Fowler and Yannick. Oh, that's uh, true. That was that. Um, and then, like, we can't really speak on this here because. You know, we we weren't there to witness this, but reportedly some fights happened in the locker room. I know Jay Glazer from Fox Sports mentioned that um, and and some people, some of the locals came out to say uh, some of the local reporters that is came out to say it was two defensive players. So, I mean, we like I said, we don't know, like, if that holds any water or or any of that. Um, But, yeah, they they do need him in terms of a. a mentor on in terms of in the locker room too, because if you if you notice, like Yannick is a guy that I, I love Yannick to death. Don't get me wrong, but he's a guy that I, the first thing that comes to mind is he had a penalty in the beginning of the season. I forgot who it was against, but he could be a little hot headed sometimes. Is times is what I'm trying to say. He basically swung at a um an offensive lineman, some extracurricular stuff after the whistle, got penalized for it. You know, that's stuff that like still goes on that. We need to get a hold of and and without Calais, you would think like stuff like that would only continue after the whistle and in the locker room. So, again, like I'm just I'm glad he's coming back, man. Yeah, I, I guess the point I was trying to make was how much time is Calais Campbell spending with like Leonard Fournette, you know, for a Fournette to benefit from a guy like that. I don't know, you know what I mean. I don't know how much how much time the offensive and defensive players are spending together, whether obviously they're not spending a lot of time during practice, but, you know, off the field or, you know, in their downtime or anything like that. Uh, you know, I just don't know. Just, just based off of the, you know, the behavior and some of the things we saw from Leonard Fournette, I'm just wondering, you know, I was just thinking, trying to think of what kind of outburst we had from the defense, but I didn't, you know, I forgot about the fight and, you know, they just got rid of Dante Fowler. So that's what, that's how they, that's how they did what they dealt with that. So, um, but yeah, but like, you know, just, what we've already been harping on, you know, really great to to, to continue to have him here for the, both the team as well as the city all together. But, um, you know, we want to move on here and talk about a couple things we haven't gotten to discuss yet as a, as a group. Um, uh, first off, you know, one of the main topics, you know, the Jaguars definitely took their time um, interviewing every offensive coordinator prospect in, <laughs> in the market before settling, well, not settling, before deciding on John DeFilippo, who was thought to be a pretty, was going to be a pretty hot head coaching candidate after this season, but he, of course he was let go uh, from the Minnesota Vikings. So what do you guys think about the signing of DeFilippo? Those are my thoughts right there. Just pure silence. Not all at once. <laughs> I'm looking at it like this. Uh, me and Jay talked about it on the podcast that somehow got lost in the weeds. Um, I think we put it in the same with the milk cartons with your uh, missing picture. Don't know what happened. But um, of all the options, this is the best that we can come with. And again, it's not like you were rushed or forced into making this decision. It took forever and a day, it seemed like. I think me and Jay and you, Phil, were up next to get a call to be <laughs> to come interview for the OC. Like, they're going to just put all three of us in there together and, like, hey, you three can figure this out. But I mean, he got let go from the Vikings. The Vikings' office did not look good this year when he was running the show. And that's really sad considering the weapons that they had. 
and I know Jay wrote about this today, and he made mention that while um, he got canned in Minnesota, he doesn't quite have the offensive line. That's true. But, however, you have two backs in Minnesota that stay relatively healthy compared to one back in Jacksonville that doesn't stay healthy. <laughs> and you can say, well, he has success in Philly with Foles and Wentz. And Wentz has looked spotty up and down when he's been healthy. And Foles is, yeah, Foles is Foles. I mean, but how much of that is a product of him being in Doug Peterson's system? So it's not a bad hire. It's not a great hire. It's just a hire that's there. Like right now, I'm not like, yes, we got the perfect person. We can go get Haskins or Murray, put him with him, or we get Will Greer. This will work perfect. We got a nice little one-two punch. We're here for five years. It's all right. We got a hire. We see the pedigree. We see the obvious Coughlin connection, which, again, shocker, Coughlin hiring somebody that he knows. So now we just have to wait and see and see how it turns out. So on the last episode that Jacob was referring to, I think me and him mostly talked on Todd Monken and Daryl Bevel. We and we did make mention of DiFilippo, but we had Monken and um Bevel like as the main two that we spoke on because you know, it looked like it was going to be one of those guys really at, at the at least at the time. So anyway, that being said, uh DiFilippo again referencing the Cover 3 podcast Back in, I guess I did that in December. I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was December. But that was a guy that I said, like, would be my favorite hire if they, they made it. So uh, as soon as that happened, uh, the guys hit me up Um, soon as it, like, it, immediately. Like, hey, you remember on the podcast when you said you wanted Filippo? Well, he's here now. So he's a guy, like, as Jacob mentioned, I love the whole connection and what he's done with quarterbacks. Although, you know, Jacob is a little skeptical on the work he's done on um, me personally, like it's more, it's just more than what he's done with Foles and it's more than what he's done uh, with Wentz. But even before that, he worked with a young Mark Sanchez and like Mark Sanchez weren't, wasn't that bad as a rookie. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he digressed afterwards. Yeah. Cause but, you had a top five defense and you ran the ball 80% of the time. Me, well, that's you all we look need here. We just need to be like just respectable on offense. That's that's the point I'm trying to make. Like we, you know, we don't we don't need Bill Belichick or Josh McDaniels running the offense. We just, you know what I'm saying. We just got to be respectable and have enough of a respectable passing game. And I think that De Filippo brings that into the equation. He also worked with Derek Carr as a rookie, if I'm not mistaken, because he was the Oakland Raiders coach for or the quarterbacks coach for like two years, if I'm not mistaken. And then that year that. Everybody was praising uh, Josh McCown for in, what was it, Cleveland, I think. He was also responsible for that. He was the offensive coordinator for that. So it was people looking at Josh McCown like, hey, this dude might have a, a career revitalization here or whatever at the time. But, of course, you know, they parted ways with their staff the year after and Filippo was a part of that. And, you know, that's neither here or there. So uh, all I'm saying is just like it just seems like everywhere he's going – He's worked with a young quarterback or sometimes in, in Foles' case, an older quarterback, but he's gotten the best out of them in every 
destination that he's been. And I mean, that's all you can ask for. Like the Jaguars need somebody that's good with quarterbacks because they suck at, for one, they suck at <laughs> evaluating quarterbacks, <laughs> clear cut and try. And they need somebody, if they do get a, a young quarterback, they draft the guy, they need somebody that is going to be hands on with them and, and can help that young man throughout the course of this season. So I guess we'll see what their decision is at the quarterback position, but I love the hire. So how do you, how does it so you know the Vikings got rid of this guy because he was not running the football. I mean I think I, I believe they they were I can't, I don't remember the numbers but I know they were not running the football and then they hire the new guy the Vikings and the guy runs the ball forty five times and you know and they and, and they and they start winning football games. So you know I hear what you're saying. You know of course you want to develop a quarterback, but for a guy who had problems running, you know had an issue calling run plays. And you have Leonard Fournette, who you know you want to be this workhorse. You know how does that translate? Is it, does it just really just confirm that they're going to go, they're going to go quarterback, and and they want this guy to be the one who to develop them? Or what, what does this what does this hire mean? No, not necessarily. Like the thing about it is, I think that the De Filippo, we we'll call him Flip for short. I think Flip, while he was in, in <laughs> <laughs> while Flip. Was in uh with with the Minnesota Vikings. I think another thing worth noting is that a lot of some of it was his fault because at the same time he knew that he was going to be a head coach. Well, at least it looked like at the time, and he was trying to really build that resume. That hey, look, I'm the next Sean McVay, if you will. I can go out here and sling it as many times as I want, be successful at it, and and win games that way. And I think he got caught up in that, and a lot of people have said he got caught up in that. And I think now it's a lesson learned. Um, you, you would think with Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin here, there's going to be some sort of a run game. And to be honest with you, I think the lesson that he'll learn here is that Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin can help him balance out this approach and, and help him get back to being a head coaching candidate for whatever jobs are available next year. It might be ours for crying out loud. We don't know. I'm not wishing anything on Doug, but I'm just saying. So, but yeah, I think like he's learned this lesson and Doug Marone is just the excellent pairing for him now that he has learned that lesson. Well, listen, if he was supposed to be, and and we're at a point in the NFL now where if you've eaten at the same restaurant as Sean McVay, you're going to get an interview. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, if he was supposed to be the next guy, like where did it really, you know, what happened? Like, like Jake was saying, look at, look at the, you have two stud receivers, two, two, you know, two, two solid backs, and then you know, Kirk Cousins is a serviceable guy. So, like, what happened? Well, I mean, look, when you look at it, what they did in terms of a passing game, they put up historic numbers as a like. Kirk Cousins had like a ninety nine quarterback rating, and Thielen and Thielen, if I'm not mistaken, had six games in a row where he had that's a franchise record, that's an NFL record or tied an NFL record with Megatron. He had six games where, you know, he had a hundred yards or more. So like I don't know like what happened, but when you look at the astronomical figures that they put up as a passing game, truth be told, in my opinion, he still should be their offensive coordinator. I mean, I just personally I think they pulled a plug the plug a little prematurely and they could have waited it out till, you know, I I know Dalvin Cook was a little injured too. At the beginning of the season, we talked about that on the Cover Three podcast. But I would have just gave it one more shot, and if I was uh, Mike Zimmer, I would have just told him, "Hey, you know, meet me in the middle this year. Let's get more of a run game going, and 
you know, let's see where it goes from there. But that's a good question, Phil. But I mean, in my opinion, he didn't do a bad job there. Like right, the numbers right. that I saw, it, it was like I say, historic numbers for Minnesota Vikings fans. If you ask them. Yeah, but like you just said, he got to Q and he outthought himself. Like he felt like he was going to be a head coach. So he's like, oh, let me show you what I can do. That That's like a sign of a character flaw of, okay, we understand that you did that there. But what's not to say you won't come to Jacksonville where we don't have a quarterback as of now. We may get one in the draft. God knows you can't guarantee it. And you have Fournette. And who says I end up with... Let's say um, the kid out of Missouri. Are we end up? Yeah, are we end up with like Tyrod or something? Some option that's not quite what you wanted for. Although I have champion Tyrod all year and will continue. Let's just say you end up with something out of left field. What's to say that Flip won't try to be cute again, and thus again have the same problem that he had in Minnesota? You can't. That's the thing. You can't be cute with Drew Lock. If you you th- if you try Drew Lock out there. And try and do what he did last year, you're gonna end up with Blake Bortles in year one. That's the thing. Like he he almost like he's in a situation now where he can't do what he did last year. He's gonna have to have some sort of a run game because the quarterbacks that's out there aren't guys that could go out there and sling the ball thirty times like Kirk Cousins and be successful. Right. So like that's that's why you get cute though with the play calling to hide your issues of all right, everybody knows we're gonna run now. I gotta be cute and think of something to hide see, his issues. You don't have that luxury. Me and you talked about that. You don't have that luxury, especially with Tyrod, because he holds on to the ball too long. So he don't. But he ain't gonna throw that pick now, is he? (laughs) Yeah, but I'm just saying, like a lot of these guys aren't gonna give Flip the luxury to do. Like even though, yeah, I I see what you're saying. You can scheme around stuff and whatnot, but I don't see Drew Locke going out there and being successful in year one. Now, I mean, not if he's gonna be a guy throwing the ball 30 times a game. Personally, I mean, that's just. Too much for a rookie quarterback. So, I mean, I think I just, what you saw. Sorry, sorry, my my, my bad, Jake. Go ahead. Yeah, you good? Go ahead. I, I think what you saw, what what Jacob is is really talking about, is like he really, like you said, you out thought himself. He literally did the coach's version of running before he even catches the football. Like that's what he did. That was that's what he was right. doing in Minnesota. So you know, <clears throat> he obviously impressed, and you know, I do think it may have been, it may have come down to just um communication and they, maybe they never had that conversation or or maybe they did and he just ignored it i mean who knows what happened but you know mm-hmm. the numbers the numbers are there um you know as you as you mentioned but it apparently you know just didn't pan out and of course look how the viking season went you know they paid all spend all that money and on the quarterback and they they're watching the playoffs at home just like just like the rest of us so you know we'll, we'll definitely hey, real see quick, how quick phil let me get it's uh, i want to touch on something that you just said too like all the money that they paid Kirk cousins like and somebody on another, I think it was locked on Jazz brought up a good point. When you pay a quarterback that much money, then why not take him out there and make him throw the ball that much? You know what I'm saying? Like he's got the the first all guaranteed contract in in NFL history, or I guess free agent contract in NFL history. Like you know, like what's wrong with the Flippo using him in that manner, especially for what he got paid? Like. I would, if I was a fan, I'd say, yeah, go out there and throw the ball 30 times a game. If I'm paying you $30 million a year for the next three years, like. Yeah, but here's the argument. Did you pay Kirk Cousins 90 mil to throw the ball 30 times a game, or did you pay Kirk Cousins 90 mil to be Kirk Cousins in those clutch moments and win it, win those games and keep you in them? 
Kirk Cousins ain't clutch though. That's the thing. He's never been. That's never been his mo. He's so been they, clutch enough. Nah, man. Come on. Like how many? How many <laughs> playoff games have the Redskins won? Like, I mean, come on, it's Washington. So I mean, you're just cursed. I'm just saying, like, Kirk, that ain't one word that I would associate with Kirk is clutch. In my right. opinion, <laughs> I'm just Let's saying. Not I just, say clutch. He's. <laughs> I don't want to say serviceable. Cause, no, because that's an insult. He's above serviceable. He's reliable enough. How about that? I don't know about that. I don't know. <laughs> but here's my point. Did you, did you really pay Kirk Cousins thirty mil to throw the ball thirty times a game? Because I don't think you did. No, no, you're right. You make a good point. I don't think they paid him to do that. But, I mean, for, for that price, you might as well. In my opinion. For $30 million a year, you better go out and play defense for me, too, as a matter of nah, fact. Line up as like quarterback. It's like me giving Phil $30 million a year to go dunk. Like, come on, I know he can't go <laughs> do that. I'm a, why, I'm a why you got to do that man like that, man? I would pay <laughs> literally just sitting here. I would not even do anything. Why, why, why did I... Welcome back. <laughs> Shouldn't have took two months off. I'm going to go pay him $30 mil to go do stand-up. That's what he does. I'm not going to pay him $30 mil to go dunk a basketball. Well, That's the on. same I'll argument. I'll do, <laughs> I'll do all of the hack Asian jokes you want for $30 million. <laughs> how, like, Michael Jordan was going to, like, play on Moron Mountain, like, with a chain. Like, I'll do that. I'll do comedy on, on Moron Mountain for $30 million. I don't oh, care. Lord, Jesus. <laughs> for $30 million, I don't blame you, Phil. Oh yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> well, you know, it's obviously a spark to a lively debate, and pretty much that's all we'll have until and, until we see the offense, you know, and, and come August, and and we'll we'll see what happens. It also really depends on who who we have at quarterback, you know what I mean? So we'll yeah. we'll see we'll see where it goes. But you know, look, that, that's uh, that's behind us, and now we're looking ahead. Um, the Senior Bowl, <clears throat> excuse me, the Senior Bowl was this past week. Um, there were some prospects that the Jags did meet with um that we'll have jay uh jay talk about and we also of course you know um we're, we're back in the in the, in the quarterback discussion who's going to be who's going to be next to see if they can you know fill the, the the shoes of of a mark brunel and even david garrard who who's who had some moderate success around here that's who we're that's who we're comparing guys that that's the legacy that the next quarterback has to live up to with david garrard who was who was solid but for one year not walking oh, for one year. <laughs> for, for, hey, listen, that was a good year. It, it was, was a good year. <laughs> it was. It was a good year. I enjoyed and, it. So, you I know, got season was, tickets for five dollars that year. <laughs> Dead serious. <laughs> yep, and you know we and we whooped the Steelers' ass that season too. So, but that's you know, neither. Here nor there, but, uh, um, but but yeah, so so who are some of the prospects that the Jags met with, and did any of the quarterbacks stand out? You know, we saw what happened with Josh Allen last year. He had a good showing and. He got and he ended up taking him, and the, and the Bills took him as their running back at, at whatever pick that they did. So, um, how, what, what prospects did the team meet with, and uh, did any of the quarterbacks stick out? So, yeah, per um, my man Zach Goodall on Locked On Jags, they met with Will Greer, Drew Locke, Tyree Jackson, Terry McLaurin, Jacoby Myers, Gary Jennings, Dalton Reisner, Lindstrom, Chris Lindstrom from Boston College. Uh, Bu Benchwal, I might be butchering his name. Uh, Foster Monroe, Tommy Sweeney, and Corey Ballantyne. So, of those guys, I guess like we'll just talk about the notable ones. Um, Terry McLaurin, the receiver from Ohio State, who the Jags reportedly met with twice, according to Locked On Jags, was phenomenal. He he just couldn't be stopped 
from like I didn't go to the Senior Bowl, but I watched uh, the Senior Bowl film and and what they showed on TV, and I watched the game. And he was a guy that like I know y'all saw all the retweets I was putting out of him. He was just flying past everybody as a speed threat, uh, just shaking and baking, breaking ankles, you name it. Uh, alongside the kid from uh, South Carolina, Debo uh, Samuel. So both of those guys, like, they were the top two receivers of the whole situation. So that that's a guy that he got a lot of DJ Chark in him. Uh, he could play special teams. Uh, he's a guy that I would definitely look out for the Jazz getting on day, uh, what, day two? He's like a second to third round type pick. So uh, that was one of the big ones. Dalton Risner and Chris Lindstrom. They absolutely destroyed everything in front of them on the offensive line. As we all know, Lindstrom plays guard, Risner plays tackle, and those guys were just maulers all all week, just to put it lightly. Um, Lindstrom has a connection with Tom Coughlin and um, Chris Snee, who's one of our scouts, who's Tom Coughlin's uh, brother, uh, son-in-law. As we all know, they play. He played with the Giants as well. He played guard there. But those guys all went to Boston College. They've been watching Lindstrom for a long time, basically. And Lindstrom has built a relationship, especially with Chris Snee. So look out for him. Like he might be a a second round pick for us, definitely. So Risner was a good guy at right tackle. As we all know, we're getting rid of Jeremy Parnell, or could be getting rid of Jeremy Parnell. He's a guy to look out at that position. So. Um, yeah, those were those were the guys that they met with that really caught my eye. So some O-line depth, which we definitely need, and I am not opposed to it at all. And we're going to add another receiver to the already 20-man group uh, receivers core. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and in the... Um, in the case of uh, Lindstrom and Risner, like it would, it would be much more than depth with those two because AJ can. I think we all can agree here at this podcast that he's probably gone. Like they're going, they're not going to resign him in free agency. Oh so, no! <laughs> that's why Lindstrom makes so much sense aside from the Boston College connection or whatever. Um, but yeah, I I see. If he isn't taken in the first round, I don't see how the Jazz pass on Lindstrom in the second round if he's there. But I guess time will tell. Um, as for the quarterbacks, too, that's what Phil also asked about. Um, of those guys, they nobody really impressed enough, in my opinion, to be taken in the top ten. Um, I know we talked about Daniel Jones earlier. He was kind of a disappointment up until the Senior Bowl game, but throughout the practices, a lot of people didn't like what they saw. Um, I didn't like what I saw on TV from him in the game or throughout practices. Um, but – Will Greer, somebody that me and Phil and Jacob have discussed, that's got to look out for in day two if the Jazz want to go that route. Um, you know, he's a guy that has touch at times, but then he gets in a rut where, you know, it's, it, he's at a low that he can't get out of. Like, it's, that's kind of a Blake Bortles trait. So, you know, it just I guess it just depends on, like, what they do in day one in terms of Drew Locke. But um, him and Tyree Jackson are the two that I think – I would take personally, if it came to it, if we had to, those are the two that I would take out of this senior bowl group in totality. All right. Daniel Jones, that's the kid out of Duke that is, um, his coach was uh, the whisperer for Eli and Peyton, right? Yeah, David Cutcliffe. Let's hope yeah. that connection gets him in New York. Let's hope so we could get Haskins. So I see people potentially taking him early and way over where he should be. Yep. 
like you said, I don't see too much about Daniel Jones that impresses me. And honestly, I feel like a lot of his claim is because he's a quarterback that was under Cutcliffe and he's connected to Eli and Payton and by default Archie. So I think it's a lot of the names around him that is drumming up the interest to in him. Mm-hmm. But who knows? He could turn out. Uh, Drew Locke, mm, it's like you look at him one minute, it's like, oh, man, you got all the tools to be a franchise quarterback. You might not be one of the best, but you're like good enough to win a Super Bowl. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Trent Dilfer has one, so, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, as a, as a Baltimore <sighs> Ravens fan, you wouldn't know about that one. <laughs> Ooh, boy. Yeah. All right, Trent, you won one. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody gets one, <laughs> as yeah, Spider-Man that, says. That was your one. Don't know how you got it, but moving on. Uh, Will Greer, like you mentioned, Will Greer is a quarterback that is incredibly frustrating when you watch him on tape because he has all the tools, he makes all the passes that you're like, perfect, and then he goes around and makes all the passes that you're like, what the hell are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Like, son, what did you see? Right. Not and only I hope- that, I think his lower body mechanics gets him in a lot of trouble, personally. Yeah. yeah. That's true. I haven't fully broken down to the level that you have, but I have seen where there are some times where his foot, he gets a little happy feet at times. Mm -hmm. But I will say a lot of Will Greer's mistakes, I don't know, this just may be me and maybe I'm giving it too much credit, comes from playing in the Big 12 where every single game is 49 to 48. (laughs) Yeah. Like you live live in a shootout every single Saturday. It's like the game of Tecmo Bowl. So there are going to be times where you're going to try to force the issue because, you know, if you don't score, you're probably going to lose the game. Right. So I can see that. And, yeah, Will Greer, if you take Will Greer, you got to take him in the first round. You can't take him before pick number 20 if you take him in the first round. Ideally, maybe you catch him late second, mid second, because who really needs a quarterback other than us, the Giants, maybe the Raiders? Well, I think you're definitely going to see people trade up for sure to get Haskins for Kyler Murray. like, And, and these guys, I mean, and even though the quarterbacks are not that impressive after the first two with Murray and Haskins, like they're going, people are going to reach. I mean, that's just, that's just history. Like you see, it's going to happen. Right. Yeah. For that position. Yeah. So, you, you can make the argument that first two aren't that impressive themselves. Yeah. That Murray and Haskins, very small sample size. For the guys though, you know. Yeah, things lean more toward them working out better for Murray than they do Haskins simply because of Baker Mayfield, because of Russell, because of Drew Brees. You have quarterbacks that either are his height or that are his height and play like him or that play like him and they're successful. Haskins, on the other hand, is a quarterback who started for one year at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. He's a hard comparison for some. Very poor. Yeah. Yeah. He is great, and he doesn't. He's not mobile either. Like that's that's the biggest concern of mine. You know who Haskins reminds me of, and it just hit me, Cardell Jones. Okay, I was about to say, don't say Byron Leftwich, bro, because that we were gonna have to kick you off the show if you said that, man. (laughs) He reminds me of Cardell Jones, and I I think I think he's smart enough, and maybe he learned from watching Cardell Jones from a way far distance of. The iron is hot for me now. Let me go get paid. If it bottoms out, it bottoms out. Mm-hmm. But I do see a lot of Cardell Jones in him. And I also see a little bit of Byron Leftwich and a little bit of Jamarcus Russell. But, like, good Jamarcus Russell. 
Nah, I can't. I ain't gonna put that on him, man. The left winch and Russell, I will. I wouldn't dare put that on him. Like he's a hard comparison for me. I'm still like searching for who he feels like to me. But I mean, like I see a hint as a passer. I see a hint of of Ben Roethlisberger. Um, but like, oh, so you put. Back- no, nah, no, nah, hold on. So you put Bathroom Ben on him, but you won't put Jamarcus or Leftwich on him. In terms, you don't. Why, why would you put that? On? Like he? I said, no, I said good Jamarcus, LSU Jamarcus. Like I don't one. remember it that much of Jamarcus <laughs> being good. That's my thing. What you were saying, Phil? That was like one game. That's how we yeah. got. Him. He played <laughs> That's his way to the top <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't remember any good Jamarcus. What? Where did you see this at? Like at LSU, that was it. <laughs> Is that wing stop? That's where he saw it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the good old wing stop. Hey, shout out to wing stop. Stop if they want to give Yo, us a sponsorship. That's who we need for a sponsor. Yo, I, oh my god. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently people be listening in to these podcasts. One hour guests, I'm not gonna say who it was or anything or tell his information. But one hour guests say DraftKings reached out to him from listening to our podcast. So wing stop if you're listening. We here for it, man. Nah, nah, nah. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> DraftKings guys, come talk to us. Like we can make this work. We surely can. Like give us a give us a promo code. We can make this work for you. We can make this work for us. Everybody wins here. Just come talk to us. But but back to your point about um, Haskins being a tough comparison. Oh yeah. Oh, you want me to finish up on it? I thought you were about to say something. (laughs) Yeah, like he's just he's just a tough tough comparison for me. Like I eventually I'm gonna find one. And I've seen like four four pieces of film on him in terms of like full games, but right now I just I can't really pinpoint that one guy. Like the one I keep seeing is um, Byron Leftwich, which I don't see at all. Like aside like aside from like the immobility, like I don't know wh- where people are getting that one from in particular. But could you could you say Cam minus the mobility? Mm-mm, I can't even say that. Like, I think he's more accurate than Cam. I think he's a better decision maker than Cam. I think he his placement is better than Cam's. I can't even. I can't say Newton. You know, like I mean, you got to think of think of Cam's MVP year when Cam was healthy, and then look at Haskins and take away the mobility of Cam. I think that may be the best comparison as far as size yeah, and yeah, everything else. Yeah, yeah. When he when Cam was on that year, I can I can see that. Um, yeah, so yeah, 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 I see what you call healthy Cam. Yeah, a healthy Cam, not the Cam that we got last year, but like a healthy Cam right. move. Cam that was dancing all over the field that year. I forgot what year that was. Rivera took him to the uh, Super Bowl Fifty, was it? Sixteen. Yeah, that was Super Bowl Fifty against the Broncos, wasn't it? I yeah, think. lost to Peyton though. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, so, yeah, um, in terms of uh, the other quarterback, I mentioned Tyree Jackson. He's a guy that I like because, you know, like, everybody knows how I feel about accuracy issues after Blake Bortles and Blaine Gabbert, too. And, you know, like, those guys had no they, – they had no reason to be taken where they were in the draft. I mean, I get it, you know. Like, you can't help where you're taken in the draft as a prospect, but – those guys, due to their accuracy issues, are guys that had no business being taken where they were. But see, with Tyree Jackson, you had the luxury of taking him like 
as a third round pick or a fourth round pick, where is it more so worth it than spending a second or a first round pick on somebody? So he's got it. He he has all the tools. He was killing it with all of the deep balls and in, in the senior bowl. He he was a guy that a lot of people said electrified the senior bowl game because it was kind of like I know on locked on Jaguars they were saying it was kind of dead until he got into the game. So you know he's a guy, of course, like you know. He's got to work on his mechanics, which he is. Um, he's working with Jordan Palmer, who is Carson Palmer's brother. So we'll see how that goes. But he's a guy that he, he's raw, got a lot of upside. And he's a guy that I would like, if you could keep the Flippo for like at least two to three years, I would like pairing him up with the Flippo and seeing what he can do with, with a young man because he, he does have the tools. All right, let's just look at Tyree Jackson. You said he's a prospect and he's a project and I agree. So let's say the two toughest teams he played last year would are arguably Army and Troy. Fair enough. Oh, the li- I'll go ahead and run through the list yeah, real quick. It's, it's Delaware State, Temple, Eastern Michigan, Rutgers, Army, Central Michigan, Akron, Toledo, Miami of Ohio, Kent State, Ohio, Bowling Green State, Northern Illinois, and then Troy in the bowl game. Toledo, uh, not Toledo, Temple. Uh, with Matt Raul stand out to me because they're a very well coached team. Um, and did you say Ohio? Yes. Like Ohio State or Ohio? Ohio. Oh, okay, never mind. So yeah, like Temple is the best <laughs> one of that group. <laughs> no disrespect, Ohio Wildcats, but uh, <laughs> I think Wildcats or whatever it is. I say Temple's third best because Army almost knocked off Oklahoma. I do believe. Yeah. Yeah, in in um, Norman. Wow, I almost said Stillwater. <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> don't kill me, guys. And then Troy is arguably Troy was ranked like number twenty five for a couple weeks last year. So, okay, we'll say Temple Troy Army against Temple. He went twenty six of forty five, fifty eight percent completion, threw for two seventy five, three touchdowns and a pick. And he ran for three yards. Whatever. He had a pass rating of one twenty seven. Mm-hmm. Against Army, he lost that game 24 to 10. 40, I'm sorry, no. He lost that game. He went 10 to 24, 42% completion, only threw for 152, had one touchdown, no picks, passer rating of 109. In the bowl game against Troy, he went 20 of 35, 57%, 274, one touchdown, one pick, 127 passer rating. For the season, he was 55% on completion. Mm-hmm. 28 and 12. I mean, you're right. He's a project, but I'm just looking at that. And what's the earliest you would take him that you consider is in a reach? Where, where, what uh, round would I consider him a reach at? Definitely the second round. I wouldn't, that's, (laughs) no, I wouldn't do that. Um, So, the first, (sighs) let me see, third. Let me think. Let me, I'm trying to think of prospects along the lines of a third round pick. Yeah, I think if you take him late third round is the the highest I would take him personally. Right. Late uh, late third round, I don't even think I would take him in the the beginning of the third, but late third round, like where we got that pick from the the Rams, the mm-hmm. which which will be like the last compensatory pick of the third round if the Rams beat the Patriots, I would take him with that pick if he's there. All right, so let's do this real quick. Uh, Drew Locke, you taking Locke or Jackson? Ooh. I I can't take Locke. It's a not, quick pick. All right, so you're taking Jackson. 
No, I can't. Yeah, I got to go with Jackson, man. I'm not even going to put a round on this. I'm not going to handicap you into taking a round. (laughs) Jones or Jackson? Jackson. Greer or Jackson? Greer? Yeah, Greer. Trace McSorley or Jackson? Jackson. Ryan Finley or Jackson? Jackson. Gardner Minshew or Jackson? Gardner Minshew is the one I haven't studied from the Senior Bowl. Okay, I, well, yeah. Uh, so we, Jackson, I say Jackson because I, I I can't speak on uh, Minshew right now. Okay, and lastly, Jared Stedham or Jackson? Definitely Jackson. So you're telling me Jackson is the fourth best quarterback in this draft class? So yeah, that's there is um. What's out? Oklahoma. Uh, what's his name? Murray. Murray yes. Haskins Greer Jackson Greer. is what you're yeah, telling. Yeah, yeah, that's roughly right. Yeah, he's in my opinion, even though he's the rawest, he's roughly yeah. But he, like I say, he's a project, and that kind of goes to show you how bad this quarterback class is for me to say that the the fourth guy in this whole equation is a is a project basically. But I think I just don't think highly of this class aside from those first two and Murray and. Uh, Haskins. Haskins and Greer, I'm kind of mad on I, I, Greer for the right price, as we right, already so, discussed. So there we have it, folks. You go get your stopgap quarterback, and we will see you right again this time next year when we discuss <laughs> if we want to take the kid out of Oregon or when the kids from Bama are Jalen Hurts or the kid from um. Boom, boom, boom. Well, that's the whole thing too, right? I mean, people are do, do you wait? You know, do you find? Do you, do you bring in a Tyrod or or God forbid Joe Flacco or somebody you know? Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> Sorry, we're not doing this Joe. It's Joe Flacco lead conversation, okay? We don't have time. Right, we don't. We don't. Do he sucks, okay? I never said he was man. elite. I just said put some respect on the man's name. That's all. Uh, look, he plays. He plays well when it, when when the time calls for it. I'll, 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 but anyway, that's, I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like, do you wait? You know, is. Because you pick a guy this year, you know, he's the guy. You know, they're obviously not going to go – they're not going to go with another – you know, they're not going to go get Tua or or, or somebody else, whoever, you know. Dave Caldwell, can you wait? That's the issue. Like, Dave Caldwell was supposed to be fired this year. Yeah. So, you know, like, it, in his mind, it's, it all depends on, like, you know, Dave Caldwell and a little bit of what Tom Coughlin feels. But Dave Caldwell, from how it, it seems, does all the draft work. And Tom Coughlin basically is the guy that he helps with the draft work and he signs off on each pick. But Caldwell is the one that does a bulk of the work. So, like, he's a guy you you would got you have to think he he probably thought he was going to get fired this year. So if you can't get, say, a Nick Foles and you can get you a, a Tyrod, like if you're him, do you feel safe with going through going with Tyrod throughout the whole year? Or do you feel safer with going with, say, a Tyrod and a Haskins on the roster and, and and hope that would save your chances of, of hanging on a little bit longer. So I think, I think in his mind, he can't wait until the kid from Oregon comes out. He can't wait for Tua to come out. Like it's almost like he has to do something now because his seat of everybody in the front office is probably the hottest. And that's just my opinion. So why don't you call Tampa Bay and see if you can pry Jameis? You can't, cause we are. We had this discussion in the last episode, man. We all know Bruce Arians love Jameis. He he went to Tampa for Jameis. They not coming up off. That's what I'm saying. Man. 
Right, but I'm saying call somebody and see if you can pry somebody. Yeah, yeah, If of you course, feel that like, so bad. So maybe, you know, God forbid that I'm even saying this, but Jesus, maybe Tannehill. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of people who have mentioned Tannehill to the Jags. And like I mean, change, like, I don't think may help him. Maybe I don't think so. I wouldn't if I was Dave Caldwell. I, feel, I wouldn't feel safe with Tannehill. Service him here when before he got hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. He could be get, better than Blake Bortles. You know? Yeah. Get get Tannehill, and then you go get like Locke or Greer, and then if it doesn't work out, hey, you tried it, and then you go get you another better quarterback. Like I'm saying, somebody like Tannehill or somebody like Jameis. Although if James if by some odd chance you got James and he panned out, that'd be more of a learn, long-term fix. Mm-hmm. But, like, instead of trying to find a free agent stop yet, maybe maybe make a trade. Maybe offer up a third round or something. Because I just pulled up a list of, like, possible free agent quarterbacks. Teddy Bridgewater is, is uh, again, a free agent. Don't see him leaving New Orleans. I don't. I just don't. Uh, the, Nick, I wouldn't go if I were him. Yeah, it's like too good. Like you are set to be the man in New Orleans when Breeze finally decides to step down. So you have Nick Foles, which again we've talked about ad nauseum. That's going to be a pretty price tag for whoever decides to pay for him. And then we have Tyrod, again we talked about ad ad nauseum. Or you go get Fitzpatrick and hope some more Fitz magic is still left in that tape. Dude, I'm all for getting Fitzpatrick, and you know why? Because I want to see dude. I want to see more press conferences like the one where he stole Deshaun Jackson clothes. <laughs> Jacksonville needs that in their locker room. We need that. I would love to see Fitzpatrick here dressed up like Conor McGregor answering questions from the Florida Times Union. That'll be so dope. <laughs> yeah, I'm on board. I'm on board with that too. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm just here for the hilarity of it, so why not? So the decision is made. Ryan Tannehill <laughs> And Haskins in the draft, and we'll call it a day. I thought it was Patrick. I thought it was Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick, not Tannehill. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Man, well, look, we're going to have this quarterback conversation all summer long. Well, up until, well, obviously up until the end of April. So, you know, you're probably going to get tired of us talking about it, but you know what? There's not much else to talk about. So we're, and that's what, that's what it's going to be. So we will see which direction they go with. And uh, when it comes to quarterbacks, a bunch of different possibilities. So uh, one more, you know, a couple more things we want to talk about here is some comments that Dante Fowler got into. Of course, Dante Fowler is getting ready to play in the Super Bowl. Anyway, uh, but he's going to do a, about to go play in the Super Bowl with the Rams. Um, he had some comments about last year's Jacksonville Jaguar team, and uh, essentially just just coming down to it, saying that you know they the, the 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 team wasn't humble, and the Rams focus on you know focus on what's what what's ahead of them. What do you make of these comments from from Dante Fowler? Who hurts you? Like, <laughs> like I'll just say what we're all thinking here. Like, who hurts you? And who? Because- well, he got asked, unfortunately. Okay. but It might have been somebody from the Florida Times Union, like Philip Howman or somebody. You know, because like, when you go to the convention, like as a writer, the first thing you do is go find somebody from the team that, that played for the team that you cover. So, I mean, I would think like somebody from the Florida Times Union or a Jacksonville media member. Um, apparently, it came in a Sports Illustrated piece. Okay. But, yeah, you're right. You're right. It did come in SI. 
But the moral of the story is like, I understand your time in Jacksonville wasn't the best for you and it wasn't the best for the franchise for whatever reason. It just did not work. Mm-hmm. And as we've all said on this podcast, I would have traded Fowler for a two-piece and no biscuit from basically KFC or churches. Like, it didn't matter at this point. Like, I constantly said, call the Jets up. Hey, we'll take Bridgewater. Here's Fowler. We'll even give you a draft pick, too. So the team did you a favor. They weren't going to resign you. They let you go so you could go somewhere else and maybe potentially resign there. And you end up in the Super Bowl. Like, I think this comes back to that character issue of Fowler that we've all talked about of how he just he's like a problem. There's the option of you can say and how say how you feel honestly, but mm. not the best deal when you're coming upon free agency because now everybody's looking at you like, mm, I don't know, he might talk bad about us too, you know. Right. And then there's the option of, well, I just don't want to talk about it or it wasn't necessarily the best of times for me or the franchise, but I'm grateful for everything that happened there. Like, there's many ways to go about this. And yes, this is me of all people saying that he went the wrong way by telling us how he felt. But time and place, and honestly, you're about to go play in the Super Bowl. Why are you worried about Jacksonville? Right. right. Like, you got out. And you still get the chance to get the uh, extension with the Rams. So you're not missing out on money. I mean, what are you what are you worried about here? Like, what was so bad here about us not being humble, which, if I'm not mistaken, you very much well contributed to that. Yeah, there are a lot of people <laughs> saying that, yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's just be a little honest here, Fowler. Let's call a spade a spade. And, you know, if you want to put it out here, just put it all out. Yeah. I'm with you. I will say this. Like, he's... The key word in the thing about when he was talking about, and I agree with him about the locker room wasn't humble. We've seen all of, we, we, for crying out loud, we talked about all the fights that's going on. And, you know, we've seen how the Jags reacted after going 2-0 against the in the first two weeks. Uh, they just kind of declined after that. So, yeah, you can get a sense that they weren't humble. And he said the key word there was we. So I guess he's including himself in that whole equation. So he was saying he was a part of the problem, too technically but what got me personally was the other statement he made about the team giving up on him is what like I didn't understand and I thought he crossed the line with by saying that because at the end of the day you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars put up with a lot of stuff with Dante Fowler and and some of it like necessarily wasn't his fault like the ACL injury Look, they still took care of you, and they paid you, like, what, the next day after he tore his ACL or, or whatever it was in his rookie year? Uh, it, two days afterwards or whatever the case may be. But they took care of him, gave him his money. If I'm not mistaken, it was a lot in guarantees. Then they stuck by you throughout the the incidents that we've talked about on the podcast, the traffic incidents, uh, the, the police incident where he reportedly – uh, got into a scuffle with the police. Don't remember exactly what happened, but they swept that under the rug, truth be told. I mean, if we're looking at it, like the Jaguars knew about that. They say they knew about it, at least. And it really just didn't never surface to the media, to everybody else. So that was just something they just kind of swept under the rug and stuck with Fowler afterwards. And then, you know, it was it was other incidents that he's had that they just stuck with him by. Now, in terms of on the field, yeah, maybe I can see where he's coming from saying they gave up on him maybe. But at the end of the day, it wasn't so much they gave up on him. It was just that Yannick Ngakwe, as we've talked about, he he, he just outperformed Fowler. 
<laughs> clear cut and dry. And every every year you could tell that one guy was putting more into his craft every offseason than the other, if we being honest. I mean, like, no, it's not like we have cameras fo- following him and, and Yannick around during the offseason. But you can tell that one person was developing himself and getting better, developing pass rush moves. Uh, you know, I, I can recall Yannick Ngakwe talking about what he learned from Von Miller at the Pro Bowl. Like, with with Fowler, you never got the sense that, you know, he was working on the offseason, although he could have been, but not to the extent that Fowler was. So, Or, or should I say that Yannick was. So, that being said, this is a team that really stuck with you longer than they should have. And, you know, me personally, I couldn't have said that. I couldn't have spoke that upon the team that, you know, that bent backwards essentially for me. And, and that's where I'm at on it. So so here's <laughs> here's the whole thing with me. When I hear, I feel like they gave up on me. I'm just like, are you are you kidding me? Like right, right now, like, <laughs> are, are you are you? That's really what you decided to say. What I hear is my feelings are hurt because you know I got outperformed by a mm-hmm. third rounder who came in and whooped my. Ass, you know what I mean? And and really, and, let's be honest. And the and the the. You know the Dante Fowler's highlight tape here. You know his is full of you know unnecessary roughness penalties and and all that. <laughs> his right. big his, and his, aside and, from his big play against Brady, right? His, and, and then the the um, AFC Championship game where he sighted him twice. But aside from that, it ain't aside good. from that, and and then his biggest, you know, the, his the the you know the the biggest block he ever shed was when he took on a, like a a sixty year old man in an, in an apartment complex. Wow. You know what I'm saying like wow. I, I I don't want to hear this. You're about to play in the, about to play in the Super Bowl, dude. Like we we could have shipped you anywhere, you know what I mean? But we we sent you to to L. A. We didn't give up on you. You didn't perform, is what happened. You know what I mean? So like I don't just like he's I mean, like in this article in Gawkway developed and outperformed you in every possible way and you were expendable and, and you know and that's that's what happened we chose Ngakwe over you that's what and, happened and another thing like for those like and I think a lot of it is Gator fans that's in Dante's corner and again he's right about them being humble not being humble but the thing about it is like from those comments about them giving up on him I feel like he it sounds like at least just you from the context of the the comments that he felt like being that he was a first rounder that he was obligated to be a starter i mean and i'm not saying that's what he said but it just feels like he felt like he was enticed to that when yannick came here and outperformed him like what else is the team supposed to do like let the better guy sit on the bench like it is what it is he felt entitled it came down to three things real simple. One, you got arrested. Two, you got outperformed by a third rounder. Three, you weren't living up to, what was he, a top five pick? Number three pick. You, you was a top three pick. You weren't living up to potential. I mean, my God. Right. And like Phil said, we sent you to L.A. We could have sent you to Cleveland or God knows where else. I mean, let's just be honest here. Hey, well, Cleveland would have been a good spot, though. They, they low key, they were, they were, yeah, but you gotta think about it. <laughs> but look at it, yeah, Cleveland won a lot of games this year, but you gotta think about it. I still we sent you to in LA, <laughs> we, yeah, that's what I was getting. We sent right. you to LA, it's like 75 degrees out now, it's like minus 12 in Cleveland, right? Like, I get it's the off season, but still, we could have sent you elsewhere, right? They sent them to somebody who basically coming in the season, Vegas thought was going to the Super Bowl anyway, so we sent you to a contender. 
Really? If I'm not mistaken, he doesn't really start with the Rams anyway. So <laughs> I think he does at, at right linebacker, right side linebacker. I think. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Well, maybe he has an argument there, but I mean, the point still is you haven't been that effective with the Rams. I don't remember hearing your name being called that much on TV. Pretty well the last couple games, you know, finally. But, you know, um, I, I remember the talk on Jaguars Twitter was like they they sent Dante Fowler to the Rams and then they lost their first game of the year. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Just for comparison, look at the next. You know, there were there were a couple players that were at the top of the list on on the on the D line that were coming out that year, and it was Leonard Williams, Dante Fowler, and Vic Beasley. And look at the other two compared to how he panned out, and they went after him. Leonard Williams went six, and Vic Beasley went eight. I bet you those guys would still be here if they, if if we had, if we had taken them. Right. You know, um, so you know, it's just it just it just reeks of a. A, you know, a, a player who's just, who's, who's, who's just, you know, he's he's obviously in a better situation. You know what? That's good for you. Yeah, about to go, man. We're not oh. mad about that at all. Yeah. You're right. That's right. Just, just leave it be. It, it, it just, I don't like it. You know, right. it just, me neither. Oh. Me neither. Like, like I said, man, you, you basically called out an organization. And we talk about all the time how the NFL is forever doing players dirty. Dante Fowler isn't a player that the NFL did dirty. They bent backwards for him, if anything. Like I said, and. You look at it like a lot of people will make the argument. I know I've seen this a lot on Facebook that, oh, we used him wrong. We should have used him as a linebacker. Well, for crying out loud, we drafted when you get drafted number three overall, we're drafting you. Chances are to play a premium position, which is defensive and not to be a linebacker, even if some people can make the argument he should have been a rush linebacker or whatever. But. I never really got the sense that Dante Fowler would be a good stand-up Russian linebacker like he was in Florida. But, I mean, that's neither here or neither there. And, yeah, like Phil said, man, like I, I couldn't have just spoke those words on the team that, that has done what they've done for Fowler. And we can't say that about a lot of players. A lot of players get done dirty in the NFL. But to me, I think, you know, they – they did all they could for Dante Fowler, in my opinion. Look how they treated Mercedes Lewis, and that guy had been here forever. And you know, right. and you know, what I mean, they they just unloaded him out of nowhere, and we sent you to L.A. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> LeBron yeah. is just sitting on your sideline, dude, like just hanging out watching you play football, and you're gonna come like ah, whatever. Here's another thing: it's not like you blew out your ACL and you came back and you just underperformed. You blew out your ACL, you came back, you underperformed, and you stayed in trouble. Like, it was seen for, like, one summer, you got arrested three times in one summer, it seems like. Or at least there were three separate incidents in one summer. Mm -hmm. Now, some of them may have happened before, but they all became public knowledge in one summer. It's just like, we get it. If you want to talk from a a strictly football standpoint, you might have a somewhat of a leg to stand on by saying they gave up on you too early coming off of ACL. But the counterpoint to that is you have Yannick who is outperforming you. So right. so what do we do? Do we change your role? Yeah. So the yeah. role changes. And then they bring that Campbell, who's obviously a better player. Than, I mean, what? I mean, like you said, you know. So it's all me. Here's my thing. And the, it's a bunch of fans that, like, especially on, on, on Facebook, they really, like, tuned in and, and they commented to the article and we appreciate the comments regardless if you agree with us or not but it was a lot of people saying that you just don't give up on on players of that magnitude for one he wasn't good and for two just 
in in my personal opinion, like Dante, I'm trying to figure out how do I put this, man. Like he wasn't going to resign with us if we kept what? him, and 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 keeping him wasn't going to turn the tide of our season either. We, as we all know, we need offensive help. Dante wasn't benefiting us in terms of like helping us out on the offensive end. So why not trade him and get a third round pick when you know he was going to be in a situation where this offseason where he was going to be packing his bags and leaving? Because as we see right now, we are under the cap. We're over the cap by three million and we can't even pay the pro bowlers that the pro bowler defensive ends that we currently have on the roster. We can't even pay them. We, we got to restructure Calais for one and Yannick. Is on he on the last year of his deal, so something has to to to, to get done there. So like I, I don't understand this argument of how we could have kept Fowler and why we shouldn't have traded him in advance and got something for him instead of waiting and getting nothing for him. Exactly, I'd rather sell high than sell low. I'll sell early before I sell late. Yeah, if he's going to pack his bags and walk away for free, why not ship him out somewhere and exactly. get a pick? It's- I think what this comes down to when we're talking about just letting a guy walk away, I think really what we were, we really need to discuss that we're missing is should the Jaguars trade for Anthony Davis? Yes. Put him okay. at tight end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we need a tight end, baby. Nah, put, him at, for it. put him at safety and just let him pick off anything that comes that way. <laughs> <laughs> Stretch across the field like Mr. Fantastic. One yep. minute pick. <laughs> yeah, Make use of that wingspan. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean that that'll you know we'll we'll just leave it at that. It definitely, seemed, you know, it just just didn't make a whole lot of sense as far as his his reaction to until all that. Like I said, just streams of a player is still upset about something that's you know really really you know out of his control and doesn't really seem to be relevant anymore. So you know we'll we'll just leave it leave it at that. And you know what, Dante, good luck, <laughs> good luck on on Sunday when you, you face Brady and those and those boys. So you know, speaking of Sunday. You know, we'll get to some football that's actually going to be played. And guys, it's, it just seems like yesterday we were having our first podcast of the preseason, and we were all excited. And football <laughs> is back, and and you know what? That's it's it's all coming to an end this Sunday. And of course, we got the LA Rams, which I predicted would be in the Super Bowl um, against the Jaguars. So you know, I was only on half right. So, but <laughs> um, I didn't put the Rams in the Super Bowl. And of course, uh, for like like freaking Groundhog Day or something, you know. Of course, we got the um, playing up against the Patriots. So, guys, you know, let's make our our official picks here. Who do you, who do you guys got as our official Jaguars Wire Super Bowl predictions? Uh, who who wants to go first? Yeah, I'll take this. All right. So, um, on one hand, I don't want Brady to win because Brady and Belichick can go fly a kite. So, I'm gonna pick the Rams. However. I'm surrounded by a lot of Falcon fans, so I'm extremely petty. The thought of Brady winning a Super Bowl in the Falcon Stadium after coming back from <laughs> being down 28-3 to is priceless and almost makes it worth Brady winning. That being said, I got the Rams 35-32. Uh, their kicker hits the field goal to win it. Wait, what happened to the Falcons, Jacob? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, man, as y'all know, I'm one of those Falcon fans that don't want Tom Brady to win in our stadium. So, you know, with that being the Falcons being my second team 
And uh, I've already said on the Cover 3 podcast, I guess I probably shouldn't change that. I think that the Patriots are going to win it, unfortunately. And I'm probably going to be sick <coughs> that whole week, unfortunately. But I just, like, my thing is, like, the Rams, I've said this on multiple occasions, man. The Rams have way too much star power to have the defensive lapses that they have. And with Brady, it only takes one one defensive lapse late in the game for him to win it. So, I just I just feel like uh, Brady's gonna come through in the end, man. Unfortunately, in in Atlanta, uh, so I'll go with the Patriots. And also, by the way, shout outs to Trent Brown. He went to Westover High, uh, the school that I went to. So that's that's a good thing about the Patriots winning. So I guess I'll go with uh, score of which. What was your score, Jacob? Uh, 35-32. 35-32. 28-24 Patriots. And uh, real quick, you mentioned the Rams' defense. You're right. They do have a bunch of lapses, but they show up for whatever reason when necessary. Right, right. right. That's the only time they show up. Right, yeah. When it's crunch time, they do show up. But like I said, man, like I just got this eerie feeling that – they're going to have one of those lapses at the worst moment, as we see with all the time when people are playing the Patriots. And if, for crying out loud, I hope it don't happen. I hope the Rams beat the living daylights out of them, to be honest with you. But I just feel like they're going to have like some some late, some four-quarter lapses on defense, and, and Brady going to have to hoist up that Lombardi again, man. That's just my gut Ugh. feeling. Yeah, I know. it. It's, it's despicable. It is. <laughs> I think what like what you always like to see is what I've been hearing people talk about all week is you know of course uh, Bill Belichick likes to take away your your fav- you know your your main weapon and you know as of late the Rams don't really have that like you think you know during the regular season it was Gurley but like now it's it's not really you know it's been CJ Anderson or or they'll throw it out you know to or, or they'll you know they'll play action to death and you know I don't know but like. I just really like this Rams team. I picked them to win the Super Bowl against the Jags, and you know I really like what they put together. That being said, the Patriots are going to win uh, once again. Um, so because I'm I'm really done picking against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. <laughs> I'm over it, man. I just can't well, see, do it anymore. My thing with picking against the Patriots, Phil, is like aside from when they played the Falcons. And, of course, I was going to choose the Falcons. Aside from that time, every time I picked against the Patriots, I've been right. And that includes the Giants game, the infamous Giants game where the, with the Tyree catch. Um, the second, Then the Giants beat them a second time, too, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, like, every time I picked against the Patriots, aside from when I, when I let my, my heart get involved because of the Falcons, like, they've lost. So... Like a part of me wants to pick against them, hoping they'll lose again, but I, I don't think it's gonna happen though. Yeah, I think it's it's Patriots, something along the lines of you know, uh, I think it's enough to be a good game, thirty-one twenty-eight, something like that, and you know they they host that damn host that damn trophy again, and then right. you know they they go ten next year, and then they win it again or some crap like that. You know what I mean? I right. don't, I don't know. Like <laughs> we see some crazy another crazy call on the referee's behalf. That's just yep. gonna gonna upset everybody which i'm uh, that's another story for another time the horrible officiating that's another reason why i'm taking the patriots because the officiating is just god awful <laughs> god awful it's true yeah well well guys you know what that's it we uh we you know covered a lot of topics here today and you know it's good to be back and 
get in the groove of things with with y'all, and you know we'll we'll keep this content coming throughout the uh, throughout the off season, and you know we hope uh, you guys enjoy the Super Bowl. If you know if you ever you know Super Bowl plans, just make sure y'all be safe out there. So, uh, JJ, do you have anything you guys want to plug or talk about before we uh, before we head out? Uh, Go ahead, Jacob. No, I got nothing really. Um... Well, if you're from if you're not from Atlanta and you're heading to Atlanta for the Super Bowl and you hear this before the Super Bowl, um, tuck your jewelry, tuck your chain. Uh, women will rob you before men will. Um, don't do anything stupid. If you're on the martyr, just keep your mouth closed and don't die, basically. And welcome to Atlanta. Enjoy your stay. Yeah, be safe out there, y'all. I'm I'm with Jacob. I, and I look, man, I'm I love Atlanta the city, but I know like people need to go there and be safe. So any of our listeners listening, be safe while you're out there. Be responsible as well. Um as for the projects I got going, I mean it's it's pretty much here in Atlanta. <laughs> me me and Phil would know we didn't we've been to the streets of Atlanta ourselves a few times. So uh, anyway, uh, in terms of the projects, I got, um, of course, more free agency stuff coming up, really. And, um, you know, that's that's really about it. Of course, draft content. Going to probably do a mock draft at some time. It's, it's kind of hard to do a mock draft because we know the Jags need to trade up if they don't get a quarterback in free agency. So, like, you can't account for trades in a mock draft, but I might bend the rules because I am the managing editor. So, look for that. Look for more draft content. Um, on Twitter, I'll be doing. Um, I've, I've started breaking down a lot of the senior prospects of the draft, uh, so feel free to check out my Twitter page for that at SportsGrind underscore Done, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, guys, not too much on our end either. Well, me and Eric have been uh, putting out some episodes for uh, for the Way Four Pod. We just did a uh, episode about the well, the Royal Rumble Pass now, so never mind about that. So uh, we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> doing uh, Doing a couple other, got a couple other projects coming down the pipeline. Um, convention season is coming, uh, coming up here this summer. So uh, Orlando MegaCon is where we will be at first uh, this year as far as our convention run. We're super excited about that. And um, yeah, wait for a pod on on Twitter, and that's that's about it, guys. So look, man, it's it's always fun to link up with y'all, and um, you know we usually end up running way way longer than we than we want. That's because we're passionate, guys. We're passionate. We care, and we want to bring you guys. The best content on the Jaguar Airways, which we do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. I don't know. Whenever we get these things out, it's pretty it's it's pretty inconsistent. But. Sporadic, but we <laughs> hey, but we get them out there, okay? Except for that one lost episode. <laughs> <laughs> Here, uh, again, I don't even really believe that you guys did it. You guys can just talk about it as long as you like, but I don't believe it actually. <laughs> so, all right, y'all. Well, hey, make sure you're following the podcast, of course, on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, AudioBoom, Spotify, we're everywhere, man. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Wait for um, that. Wait for it. Well, that's wrong. I'm in the wrong wrong job. Uh, Jack Den- <laughs> Jeez. Jack- the Jag- Get your podcast mixed up. <laughs> the Jaguars Wire. Phil the Filipino. Sports Grind underscore Don underscore Jay Della. That's where you can find us. We hope to find y'all listening to this podcast in the future. <laughs> um, Do you yeah. need to go back on vacation, sir? Probably. Yeah, so. Well, hey, guys, we really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening again. Go Jaguars. Y'all be safe. We will see y'all next time.